Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things that you can buy that will actually help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This reason is why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current course setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, and along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. If you're like me, you spend a lot of time pouring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times are to hunt. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery. All at my fingertips. I've had an opportunity to use the desktop version last year and have been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store and download it today. This podcast is brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. Skull Brew Coffee roasts premium single-origin coffee, guaranteeing to deliver the freshest coffee directly to your doorstep. The kicker? They're 2% for conservation certified and donate 10% of their proceeds back to organizations who support the interests of our hunting community. So go to SkullBrewCoffee.com and pick up one of their three killer roasts and fuel your hunt and fill more tags with Skull Brew Coffee. Welcome to the Truths from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 261. Today, we're jumping into late season with Johnny Stewart, so stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are feeling fine on this 22nd day of December. There are only three days left, and then Santa Claus will be will be coming to town. And, and I think the big the big gift for me is I'm actually going to have the week off in between Christmas and New Year's. So I'm actually going to get to do a little bit of late season hunting. I uh, I'm kind of carefully watching, or I guess hopefully hoping and wishing while I'm watching 
<clears throat> the weather prediction for the couple of days after Christmas in between the holidays, waiting on some snow. Uh, so I to go hunt some, uh, to do a little travel hunt for, for the late season. I'd love to get a little snow to head up to, uh, or head to the piece that I did some scouting on this summer, uh, slash last winter and had a chance to hunt once this year, some great bucks on camera throughout the fall. Um, and so really kind of wanting to treat this as a, a late season hunt slash kind of scouting mission, if you will, to start to build inventory for next year. And, you know, certainly, certainly put a hunt on, but really kind of hoping to have some snow so I can do a little bit of, bit of tracking, uh, maybe find a buck to, to chase for the day or for the two days or however many days I end up being there. Um, if nothing else, hoping to have a little bit of snow so I can do a little bit of backtracking and figure out where these deer are spending are, are, are spending some time, you know, and, and get a, not just a game plan for, you know, for next year, but, you know, maybe ultimately be able to get on something and, and have a little bit of fun in the, uh, in the white stuff during, during late season. So it will be a little bit of a travel hunt, uh, which is cool. So I'll get to kind of take off in the, in the trailer for one last kind of hunt trip before the, the scouting trips kind of kick off here for, for the winter. So looking forward to that. And those are really my big plans over the holiday. Otherwise there's going to be a lot of rest and relaxation on my, uh, on my schedule I actually just kicked off the holiday season with some family this past weekend and then otherwise it's going to be pretty, uh, it's going to be pretty low key. So we're not going to, we're not going to belabor this up front, man. If the holiday season's almost here, you might be driving to wherever you're going to spend, to spend Christmas, or you might be like me out last minute shopping, um, which I probably need to do right after I finish recording, uh, recording this upfront for this podcast. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's show, have a really cool show for you guys today, have Johnny Stewart on. Uh, as I was kind of talking about late season, my own late season kind of approach. Um, Johnny is one of those guys that's just a killer, number one, you know, great hunter. But he's also fits in that category of dudes that I've had a chance to meet over the years and get to know that is he loves late season. You know, late season can be hard. A lot of folks kind of, th- you know, it's a throwaway time of year for a lot of folks, or maybe they even kind of stop hunting altogether, but there's a lot to learn and a lot to kind of figure out during the course of late season, aside from maybe trying to fill up a, a tag that you're still holding. And Johnny's one of those guys that actually really likes late season. Um, and he has an approach to how he likes to kind of hunt late season, does a lot of tracking and waiting for snow and stuff like that. And he's killed plenty of deer during, during the course of late season. So I wanted to have him on and pick his brain about, you know, his approach. He's doing it in the mountains by, you know, by and large um, in the area in which he lives. And so I just thought it'd be a really cool dude to have back on the show. He was on previously um, and talk a little bit of late season hunting in general. We cover, you know, Johnny's uh, an equal opportunity a killer, if you will. So it's whether it's a, a bow or um, hunting with a, a rifle during rifle season and getting some snow and tracking or busting out the the old smoke pole and, and, and kind of going that way. And actually even, you know, we talk a little bit about travel hunting during um, during late season, especially if you're on limited time and, and things of that nature. And maybe you just don't have a lot of information about a spot and you don't have a bead on a good deer or whatever the case is. Late season can be that time just kind of what I was talking about, which, you know, you can kind of go to a place that you have limited kind of information about. And if you have some snow, you know, the deer will really kind of start laying out a roadmap for you or kind of laying out the, uh, the secrets, if you will, you know, to be able to kind of figure out what they're, what they're doing and where they're spending time. So he, he talks a little bit about that, how he uses that approach for when he's hunting, maybe new places out of state, or maybe he is kind of baffled in the fall by an area and doesn't quite have it figured out. He'll use the snow in the late season to kind of you know, put the finishing touches on his plan. So super cool share for you guys today. Hope you guys dig it. Um, let me be the first or one of the, one of the many that I'm sure will wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy new year over the course of the next few weeks. Hope, hope everyone's holiday is, is killer. 
I hope it's safe. I hope everyone has a chance to spend some time with some family and maybe even get a little bit of time in the timber. So with that, without further ado, we're going to jump into today's show. And as always, I want to thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today I've got a guest on that you guys are going to definitely want to pay attention to. This is a guy, there's a few There's a few people in my circle that I'll kind of refer to as like my, uh, my hunting senseis. Unfortunately, this guy... I don't know that we've ever met face to face. We've certainly texted a lot via text or via Instagram, chatted on podcasts and things like that to where it's like I pick up so much stuff from this guy either directly or I pick up stuff from this guy uh, through our mutual friend, Greg Litzinger. But I'm speaking with none other than Mr. Johnny Stewart. What's going on, man? No, not much. Thanks for the uh, kind words there, Clint. That was pretty nice of you, you know? Yeah, man. Well, it's, you're one of those guys, dude, that, you know, we, t- we text a lot during the course of the season and stuff like that. Unfortunately, every time we've had a chance to potentially get together, you know, I know the soiree out at Bo's this, uh, or I'm sorry, out at your place this, um, um, this past November, I was supposed to technically come out and, and hang with you guys, but I was actually in Kansas and had already planned that trip when those dates were set up and stuff like that. But one of these days I'll, uh, get out to see you, but I'm always kind of picking up tidbits either from you when we're chatting or just things that Greg has picked up from you along the way that he kind of passes along to me as we're talking. And I always tell this story. Um, and I don't know that I've, I don't know that I've ever even told you this, but when I was out in Iowa, I guess it was two years ago now or two seasons ago. And I missed that big deer a couple of different times. You were the first person who sent me a text and kept texting me the entire trip, just like words of encouragement of like, keep getting after it. You're doing the right thing. You're on him. You're going to, you're going to catch up to him. And that meant the world to me that you were actually taking the time to kind of give me that, that encouragement, man. Um, and so I just want to say thank you for that, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem, Clint. Uh, and I'm glad you, uh, killed on that trip, but I know how you can hunt hard and, you know, have chances, blown chances, whether it's one or four or five in a season. And it just, it'll bring you down. Like, uh, as far as your confidence level, I've been there to where it's like, you just don't you go from believing you're in the right spot and doing the right thing to just everything. You're like in disbelief, like (laughs) I'm not going to kill nothing. I'm not going to see like this didn't happen, man. I had it. And and, you know, you hunt so long and and the opportunities there and you blow it. And it's like, man, it took me, you might be in December and it'd be my, your first chance. And then it's just like, man, I hunted all through October, November, but, um, yeah, so it's easy to get down on yourself. It's always nice someone, hey, keep going. I've been there and this and that to hopefully get you get your mind right to where get you like eliminate that and get back to where you were before the shot happened. You know, right. keep, keep on it. You know. Yeah, so. I mean, and I think too, a lot of times people kind of get this misconception that you know the guys that we know that you know get it done regularly like don't miss or don't have take bad shots or whatever the case is you know and and i i think most people academically know that that's not true you know mm-hmm. but it's it but it's hard in the moment to kind of you know to pick yourself back up in in that specific moment cuz to your point you know you know especially when you're out on a travel hunt you might think to yourself if i get one opportunity i'm going to be lucky and when you get that one opportunity in that in that amount of time at a deer that you want to pull your bow back on and you, and you blow it essentially that, that can be hard to kind of wrap your head around. Cause now you're thinking to yourself, man, I made this long, long ass drive. I spent the money on this tag. I spent two weeks from my family, you know, potentially. And then that's one shot I get, I screw the yeah. pooch, but you know, 
you know, to your point, you just kind of have to pick yourself back up and get after it. And, and I thought it was interesting too. I was watching you, uh, I know you did the white tail cribs, uh, episode recently with our buddies over at Exodus. And I was, mm-hmm. I, I watched that episode. First off cabin looks killer, man. I, hopefully I'll make it out one day to, to see it get sooner or later. You'll be up there. That's right. Um, and a lot of great deer on those walls, but there was one in particular, I think that you talked about that you, you were getting late into the season. That's what we're going to talk about a lot today is just is, is late season, but you were getting late into the season. Um, I think you maybe even mentioned that you'd missed a deer and the end you ended up like catching up to this deer when you kind of least expected it late season where you're like, I don't even know if I'm going to go out. I think it might even been the last day of the year, if I'm not mistaken, where you were essentially telling yourself, yeah. I'm not even going out. What are the chances I'm going to see a deer that I want to shoot on the last day with like three hours of light left, you know, and lo and behold, you did your work yeah. and got out there and, and made it happen. Right. Yeah. And it, that's why, like I, it was actually reminds me of when you were in Iowa and you missed that deer. Cause that year I hunted, I had an Iowa tag and I had gone to Iowa and I hunted there, I mean, pretty much for months, you know, on and off, like I'd be home once or twice and I'd be out there for a long extended time. And yeah, I had, I was after one deer and I hit a limb, hit him on like the leg knee, like non-lethal. And next time I hit a sapling, I'm like, oh my, and it was like one sapling in a way, you know, I'm investigating. I'm like, there's one little sapling the size <laughs> yeah. of my I hit it. And then the next time he watched me get out of the tree, then. So I gave up on that deer and then in, in the January I was in Iowa and, um, same deal. An, another buck, about 116, that big deer in January. I was lucky to have him, him come by, but he stopped and, um, his vitals were, the majority of his vitals were behind the tree and I could just see, you know, I, it was quartering toward, I could go, I was going to go right in front of his shoulder. I could aim right in through his heart there, but hit a limb on that. I'm like, and it just, Every time I pull my bow back, I got it mentally in my mind that this ain't happening. Yeah. But there's another thing to think, another like words of wisdom, whether it's for hunting or whatever it is in life. If you believe you can, you're right. And if you believe you can't, you're right. Right. So I, I say that to myself sometimes. So if you really believe that you're not going to get a deer, um, then you probably won't get a deer. But if you believe you're going to get one, so. Yeah, it's a hard pill to sw- swallow when you're, you're out all that time. And like you said, late season even. and and um, But you just got to keep pushing forward. And I think that year it was, yeah, the last day of the season. And I I was kind of believing somewhat on a fence maybe that it wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I was still out there and there was still a little like a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. So there was still some season left. You know, but I was still like, it was like gray light and I'm taking my release off and I'm swearing. Like, ah, I can't believe it. You know? <laughs> right. And, yeah. The deer come under me, the smaller bucks come by me and they're feeding under me. So naturally you just wait till they move on to get down. And, and I looked up and yeah, the deer, he come walking right, right. in. so I had to have a time to get my release back on. But um, yeah, it reminded me because I was in Iowa like you were. And that's why I think maybe I was texting you, brought me back for the year when I was in Iowa. Right. And it ended up, but like I said, you're going to be on a, I was on a fence and, and uh, kind of talked myself down off the, I wasn't totally, I didn't jump, you know, I was yeah. like, <laughs> was way down, you know, and it, and it happened. And then my confidence went through the roof and, and uh, just, even though I was more not confident than I was confident, uh, it worked out. So, yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, 
it happened out. It happened good. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I the one thing you mentioned the believe if you believe you can you you, you know that's that's true and if you believe you can't that's also true. I think that mm-hmm. even goes with when you're picking spots even throughout the season, regardless of mm-hmm. the time of year. If you're thinking about debating between you know, one setup versus another, and you're looking at your wind and, and so on and so forth. It's like, I know I go through this where I'll have maybe two spots or maybe even three spots that the wind will work for me. And I'm going back and forth in my mind between which spot can I go sit and have a good sit and maybe have the encounter that I want to have. A lot of times it really comes down to which spot do I believe I can have, yeah. have the best hunt in. And that's, and it's just completely gut at that point, because, you know, just say, for example, all three spots, the wind works for equally well, or, you know, is, is huntable, you know, it might come down to where if I had some, maybe a camera, maybe that was close by that I got some Intel on or something like that, but that notwithstanding, I'm really just kind of picking the spot based on in my gut, which of these spots that the wind is right for, do I believe I'm going to have the best opportunity to have an encounter? And then that's, that's where I go. And I try not to second guess, cause I used to do that a lot. And just drive myself crazy, just be paralyzed with not being able to make a decision. And now I just kind of rip the bandaid off and say, this is the spot. These are the three reasons why. And I usually try to make myself have a couple reasons why I'm going to be there and not just because the wind's right. And the spot that has the most kind of things stacked in its favor for that day, that's where I end up going. Yeah, and I think the more experience you get in the woods combined with the intel that you get from your cameras or maybe previous hunts, then your gut... gets stronger to where you make those calls like you're saying it just feels right and it's not always that it happens that way a lot of times i'm hunting a new spot and i'm still learning the area and but yeah there's sometimes when you get in the tree and you just you feel that everything feels right so you, you go with it but that's not always the case and and don't try to fool yourself that's why i say um be optimistic whether it's in your spot or where you're going to hunt but also be real realistic you know don't just be like don't just brainwash yourself to say yeah this spot's good you know you can there's like a you got to find that happy meaning and believing in your your spot or yourself and but being realistic and there's times that i'll i'll get down if the wind somehow shifts that happened to me this year it was the ridge was kind of i thought it was going north south the ridge here it was running like northeast Mm-hmm. And so I was on the point and it was a direct south wind and I didn't take my time to, so it was blowing back along the, uh, the ridge all along that hillside. And I was like, man, I thought I just didn't, it was a new spot I wanted to try. And, and just like, and usually when that wind, it's like guaranteed and the wind blew back along that hill and, and I had to get down, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you got you know, like I said, be optimistic, but real, realistic and it's time to get down, get down. Yeah. You know, but, I think the one thing you mentioned there is, is really important regardless of the time of year is when you're not sure, you know, or not, I shouldn't say not sure, but when you have a new spot, you've got to throw some hunts at it. Cause you won't ever know exactly how it's going to hunt until you hunt it. And, and the one thing, you know, I, I try to win map whenever I'm scouting, but you know, be honest, I'm a, you know, working dude like you and like anyone else out there, I may not be able to get back to a place that I've scouted once. It might just be like, I got there. I like it. I hung a camera, you know, in February or March and I don't get back to it until October, just based on schedule and other places that I'm scouting and getting to and stuff like that. And so I'll throw a hunt at it 
you know, sometimes it'll be one of those things where, man, the wind isn't great for some of the places that, that I should be hunting and maybe the weather's not real great. And so I don't want to burn up any of the spots that I have some good Intel on. So I'm going to go throw a flyer at this one and just, I'm going to go in for nothing else. I, I need to kind of understand what the wind's doing. And, yeah. um, I did that this year on a hunt and actually had a really great encounter. And, uh, if I'm I wrote it in my notes. This is another thing I picked up from you, Greg. It's like I started doing quite a bit of journaling while I'm in the tree, um, you know, kind of mark, you know, jotting all my notes down about what I'm seeing and what the wind's doing in places and stuff like that. And uh, if I'm remembering correctly, I had a south wind that day. I'm almost 100 mm-hmm. percent sure it was a south. But when I got in my tree in that spot, it actually blows like a north. Which yeah. I would have never known, you know, until I went in and actually hunted it you know, and got, and got in there and and figured it out. And so now I know for future purposes that, you know, whenever I have a South wind, it's going to likely blow North and the inverse is true too. It's like, if I have a North wind, it's likely going to blow South, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it's just, you know, and I think it's just kind of, it's going to blow opposite in there most of the time, unless you have just like a real, real stiff, like stiff, like 15 mile per hour wind or something like that, where it's, you know, you got a really windy day or the prevailing is going to overcome, you know, thermals and just about anything else. But, uh, but yeah, man, that's one of the things I've definitely picked up from, from you and Greg is just those types of things of sometimes you got to take a day that maybe isn't great and turn it into a positive, which is, you know, go explore a new spot and, and start to learn some more about it. Right. Yeah. And the wind, um, the way I look at it anymore, you know, I, I'm learning more and more and it's like, if it's unpredictable, then I just consider that spot pretty much unpredictable mm-hmm. and try to get as scent free as possible. Um, and it's just, there's sometimes, and I'm saying, and like Greg and other people I talk to, a lot of these deer in them unpredictable areas, the wind's not always in their favor when they're walking because it's so unpredictable, um, whatever the case may be, um, valleys or thermals and whatever. So a deer, if it had to walk into the wind all the time, it'd be just walking like a maze. Like it wouldn't be able right. to live. So he's living his life and going point A to point B. And I just hope sometimes the wind is enough that it gets my scent blown away from where, you know, you get them calmer days where it just lays that scent around. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the, that's a great challenge trying to get these animals in, in, get an angle on them when they they have so much in their favor so when you do have success it's not by chance most you know when you're out there bow hunting and finding your spots it's you know you did something right to because they're not dumb animals right yeah yeah they've definitely learned you know how to how to work all that and use that to their advantage and and making sure Mm -hmm. they're staying out of harm's way and and stuff like that and that was the interesting thing about this particular spot they weren't coming with uh the I, i guess at that point it's you know, critical that you kind of know, you know, with pretty good certainty, what direction deer are going to want to travel from. So, you know, ideally you have that kind of figured out this spot. I didn't even have that figured out. You know, so I just kind of got lucky to a degree where I was like going to throw a flyer at it. And the way they were actually using the wind was they were kind of wrapping around this Ridge. You know, they were, you could say the top third, but there's not like a military crest drop off or anything like that. Where I was at was really starting to flatten out pretty good. And, um, so that North wind way they were kind of traveling, it was almost like a crosswind for them, but almost crosswind from their, from their back almost, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So it was really kind of interesting. They did. So they weren't coming with the wind to their face, but I knew I was in between kind of two bedding areas. So I knew once I saw deer, when I got there, there was a big primary scrape. There was a, a a signpost rub that was there as well. 
And so I knew once like they got to that spot, like they were probably pretty feeling pretty safe because I feel like that's like their, their hidey hole. That's their like bedding areas. And so mm-hmm. I felt like even still, you know, they would probably get a little bit, I don't want to say loose, but you know, feel a little bit more at ease and maybe a little less on, a, on, on alert. And that certainly was the case. Cause the deer that came through there, they all came from that direction and they all were, um, I mean, they were just kind of browsing through and didn't have a care in the world. So, yeah. And sometimes you got to hunt just to learn, like you would maybe think a deer going to travel one way for whatever reason. And you'll hunt it a few times. You're like, okay, I'm learning how they travel, but it's not how I thought my opinion, how it was. Mm-hmm. You, you, you see how they're utilizing, whether it's cover or terrain or, or whatever food and how they live there. It, it might be, there's times I thought, okay, this is how, this is the way they're going to travel. And then like you say, you're going to hunt. It's like, Oh no, they're, they're using it differently. They're coming from here or this and that. It's not always, but like you said, in a couple hunts, you might need to get in there to figure out what's going on. Just not the, just the wind, but the, the, how they utilize that, their habitat there might be different than what you think or what you've seen somewhere else. Cause I've seen different bucks use different areas differently. It's how they see it and how they see fit to use it to their best. What's maybe their, how they feel comfortable using it and i've seen yeah different deer mature deer use different the same area in different ways right yeah it just kind of comes down to the personality of the deer and and you know how they're how they've basically managed to stay alive for as long as they have they have a method you know just like we as a hunter have a method that we've had success with and go go back to a lot of those same things even though you maybe have to adapt at times but you got some principles that have brought you success or put you in a good situation more often than not. And so you, you know, certainly going to, you know, rely on those things, man. But I want to shift gears here real quick, dude, and talk about the hunts that you had this year, man. How was your season so far? I know you, uh, tagged out on a good, good mature mountain buck out there, but, uh, how, how overall, how'd your season go? Uh, that was about it, Clint. I, I worked on my camp the, through the summer on the weekends. I didn't get much scout and I threw cameras out kind of along the road. Cause I guess it's a two and a half hour trip from my house there. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get into scouting as much as I'd like to, just checking cameras in and out of camp. And I worked on that place right up until November. We had a veterans hunt for Spartan Forge there. And yep. I wanted to like finish like 99% finish it. Cause I know if I stopped short, it, you know, I just, I would have to start again in the spring then shed because I don't work. I can't work on that place. So two years now I've been working on it and hunting season comes. I like, my brain's done. Like I, I'll be, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so yeah, I worked up the place right up into, um, and we had that hunt on November 11th veterans day. And, um, I got done a few days early and, uh, I, 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 um, I actually helped some of the winners and, and guys that were up there, put them in some of the spots near the road. We just kind of stuck near the roads, but it was, um, during the rut there, it, accessible areas, clear cuts, Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe rifle season wasn't as good because a lot of the orange army gets in and hits all these, but it's, it was good hunting during bow season. So, right. So I didn't get much time to bow hunt. I think I had two days trying to help others. I, I guess where I'm at in, in my career or my hunting, uh, I don't, I enjoy seeing other people get deer. I, I don't, it doesn't, I don't have nothing to prove. I, I, um, I mean, if there was a one deer that I was after, like maybe 160, 170 inch deer, I'd be like laser focused, but I got some decent bucks in the area. And then I don't care if I shoot it or you shoot it or, or this. 
I just like anymore. It's that time of year that I enjoy and I don't want it to end. And sometimes right. when you work so hard all summer, like whether it's working on my camp or just my excavation in general, that I put so much that I'm kind of a little bit wore out. And like when I have the time off the hunt, I, um, like I said, if it was like one animal, I like to go after like one deer, pick an animal, but I haven't really had one that I, uh, lately in the last so many years that I was focused on going after them. So I had some good mature deer. And so I just kind of enjoy the time, enjoy the time with my friends and, and just being in the woods and taking it in. Cause you know, I'm 40, I'm going to be 43 and I've done a lot of hunting. And then it's like, I, I don't, you know, sometimes when you get that laser focus, you'll, you're, you're kind of like lose the enjoyment if you're, because uh-huh. for a mature deer is a tough, it's tough mentally and physically to where it's sometimes it's not even fun. I mean, it's really rewarding when you kill that animal, but yeah, sometimes it's not even um, that enjoyable. Uh-huh. So um, l- lately that I didn't have a big deer, so I'm just kind of enjoying my season, but um so yeah, that was bow season, and um, I got to go out Ohio um, two days, and it was like on a ladder end of the rut, the 18th, 19th. I actually had a big 160-inch 10-point come in. It looked like the woods were wide open, and, and he come kind of quartering toward me and closed the gap, and he was just feeding. It wasn't much of a rut situation, and and he turned broadside and, and he went beyond a big oak. I said, he steps out. I'm going to grill him. And, and he stepped out and I didn't have a, I didn't have a real good shot. It was a bunch of um, 30 yards of beach brush and, and some briars in a way, but it was, it was neat seeing him. I mean, he was a really heck of a good buck. And I think when I was younger, I probably would have taken the shot just with the, the leaves. Uh, my arrow probably would have went through, mm-hmm. but when I was younger, I mean, I was, I was flinging arrows. You know, but right. I think you get you change a little bit. And it's like chances are I probably could have killed a deer, but I, I don't want to wound them, and I don't want to. I don't know. It's just like I was waiting for the perfect shot. So, but I, but then even that, I I don't look. Back. It was like oh, it was a good um, time, and you know, I saw a buck, and you know, just I just get out there and get after the next one. So, yeah, fast forward to rifle season in Pennsylvania. So the areas I scouted in bow season and through the summer along the roads, I knew that guys would be in there um, and actually bear season starts before rifle and guys pushing. Right. They're kind of everywhere. So the mature deer know to kind of get away. I mean, I had good 140s or 50 inch bucks in the area, but they'll disappear. And mm-hmm. um, so I, um, I actually, the day before gun season or the, I, I mean, I was actually at my camp myself, the, the, the morning of gun season, I got on my Spartan Forge and just checking maps and I just found a vast area that I haven't been to or rarely been into. And I said, I'm just going to go take my rifle and find a track. So, um, right before daylight, I caught a good track. Um, there it was snow. And so had some snow in the track. And so I pulled off and I got on his track and, and he went up and fed on a flat and he actually laid right by the road. Clint. There was like hmm. a little field. It must've been right at daylight, right along the field. I mean, right along the road, a gravel mountain road. He fed in the field. You could see where he fed before daylight and his horns were poking in the snow. And I was filming it and looking and it was like gray light just getting, I actually started on his track before daylight. You know? Right. I, I actually um, was filming his, him where he was feeding in that field and he just went up. It was like a flat spot along the road and there was just like a little incline at the back of the field up into the woods, maybe like a 10 foot, like little 
slope and then the woods were up there and it was a big flat and he walked up that little slope and he laid behind a blowdown watched me <laughs> like you know what i mean and I, yeah. you could never see right along the road i said that sucker he was laying here laying right by the road and <laughs> his next move was to run across so he snuck out uh, away from me and, and he crossed the road and it was pretty rugged um country on that side of the road kind of where he felt comfortable not as many people thick and right. steep and stuff like that well he got further down in there with some open hemlocks but so he went down in there i said okay cool i know he's done and anytime you track a buck you want to give him some time mm -hmm. to get comfortable again and know let him know that you're not actually following him because they'll do a j hook and look and see if you're coming after their track um so i just let him go down in the forest and i walked out that road and uh, maybe a half a mile and i went out on a point caught another buck track so i followed this one and it was no coincidence but this one kind of crisscrossed uh the first buck so um they were about initially when each of them were about a mile apart when i started hmm. and they end up i followed both their tracks and they end up both laying on a point of a mountain maybe Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. That was pretty that was pretty interesting that that was a safe area for them maybe from the gun hunting and the bear hunting um right. so anyways uh i, I bumped them and they, they, they grabbed another deer along the way it was a little bit smaller buck i could tell by the track um so they went around a face of a mountain and up another hollow and and as i was going up that hollow they were quite calmed down and it was a little while after i a little ways after i bumped them so they were they were all right. They didn't know I was following them. And then when they went up that hollow, I, uh, my wind was blowing up that, that drainage and I, I backed out when they ate lunch. And then I come in from like the head of the drainage, dropped down into their tracks. And, and I seen they crossed the hollow and I was about, there was like two, three inches of snow. So I just crept along and, and I, I knew I, there was another point I seen on, on my Spartan forge. I said, I bet they're going to that next point. So I just creeped my way, following their tracks and, yeah, I looked up in about 120 yards. I seen a, a deer moving in a brush, and I seen another one with horns. I said, "You know what? I'm smoking this sucker." <laughs> so, in 120 yards, I seen. I, you know, I knew it wasn't no monster, but I said, "I don't care. I'm shooting." So, I I shot him, and he ran down the mountain, and and um, as I got over to his tracks and followed his tracks, he was going down, and I looked over. I, we were getting close to that point, and that, the big buck was standing on the point kind of watching the whole thing because my deer crashed. That <laughs> buck was like probably just looking down like, what's wrong with you, man? It's all coming down. And I looked up and that big dude standing. I'm like, oh, you know, and he just dropped it off, you know, but it was, it was a cool hunt. It was a good deer. And actually we uh, just ate some chops tonight. Nice. Um, deer or so. So it's a good year. Um, and like yeah, I said, man. 
they did a cribs that following that was Saturday first yeah, it was day. Like almost, it was like the same the same time frame because he was still hanging out in your buck pole. Yeah, and I actually that's the one reason I wanted to get a deer's because them guys were coming up. It was Saturday. I said I'm. That's why I kind of said I'm going to shoot one. So it'd be cool for them to see and get it on video. And then I took Cam out and, and I did some drives on the same hillside. And I don't know if I blew it out or what, but um, we didn't have any luck. But um, yeah, it was. It, that's kind of why I wanted to get one uh, down just for for the episode. Right. You know, so. Nice. Well, there's two questions I have based off that. I want to unpack that a little bit because tracking was one of the things I wanted to get to for, for, for late season. Um, so whenever you picked up that first bucks track and he, you figured out that he, he had seen you, right. And he, he kind of moseyed off and you had mentioned, you know, you don't want to pick that track up too quick because they'll often J hook around and kind of try to find out if something's kind of, you know, following their track or whatever. You know, so you mm-hmm. want to give them a little bit of time to get out and to get out in front of you. How long are you typically waiting before you would pick that track back up where you would feel comfortable or, or know that it's safe to kind of continue on? Is there, is it more of just like a gut feeling or do you have like a, do you have a rule of thumb that you follow? 20 minutes, half hour. Cause in his mind, if you're, if, if he runs 400 yards and you're walking it, you know, one, two mile an hour pace, you know, like, uh, or a coyote or whatever predator might be following him um you know half hour and then they'll, they'll even sometimes lay down and you know watch your back trail mm-hmm. right but okay. usually i give them like 20 minutes half hour before i i on the first initial bump i just like that one i said well i'm gonna let him go for and it was like maybe a good hour and a half before i followed the, the one buck they crisscrossed right you know and then they and i was in a losing well if i had more i would hunt hunt it differently if i had more days to hunt I would, I would just kind of probe around and know that they're heading toward this point. I would back out and I'd come in from another direction and learn about the area, you know, and, and, uh, but I just kind of stayed on because sometimes you staying on a track, um, if the wind ain't right, um, more times than not, you're going to, when they're bedded, you're, you're not going to get a shot. I mean, there's a rare time, chance. And I figured that time of day, you know, it was in about nine o'clock. I figured they were probably bedded mm-hmm. you know they fed to me during the gun season they're going to feed before daylight you know because of that their range is going to shrink yeah because of gun season and, and they're going to feed before light and get to where they need to be and and stuff like that but yeah I usually wait a half hour and okay and then sometimes if you keep bumping them sometimes i'll come in for a to- from a total if they they cross a hollow i'll come in i'll go all the way around to the other ridge and drop catch them from a different angle because they're going to be once you like two times you bump them, sometimes it's like, man, they know you're on them. Then it's it's then the situation gets different where they're 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 going to set up for for you coming to them and they're going to have their escape routes and they're going to see you. Right. You know? All right. So whenever you when you're on a track and say you've bumped the deer one time or whatever the case is, maybe you haven't bumped them at all. You know, how do you know when you should start slowing down? You know, as you you know, when you start to think like, okay, I think I'm getting close. Is there some, you know, cause I talked to Hal blood about this a little bit. Is there something that changes in terms of like the track when it's in the snow, like what it looks like and things like that, that you can tell, like, all right, this, the, their steps are getting shorter, like, which means they're starting to slow down. They're starting to look for a place to maybe bed or something like that. Is there something that tells you you need to slow down or how do you kind of navigate that? I think it's just, they start looking for a place to bed or if they start browsing, usually mm-hmm. they start going and browsing. Usually they're, 
there's a good chance, especially when you get into that time of year. Uh, rut's a little different, but um, it seems like when, I, when I'm on a track, if they start browsing, and then they're going to lay down and chew their cud. But, um, yeah, they start milling around. Or if they're just looking, I, I follow the one buck. I, this is pretty wild. It was actually Bo Martonic's buck two years before he shot it. I jumped him, and uh, he run down. Or, no, it was his bed I found before daylight on a point, and then he went down across this creek and up on this other hillside. And it was thick in there. It was hemlocks and beech brush, and it was like, he was, it was pretty wild following his track. He was looking for, so when I bumped it, so I followed him and then whatever I went, he was kind of lost and it was, it was different. You know, when you get an interest to a snow on the trees, I don't know, but sometimes me, I'll go to a place that maybe I have a camera. Um, I put it out before there was snow. Then you get in two inches of snow. The whole place looks different. Thick, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. this don't look the same. It really does. It looks different. So this yep. buck I followed. He went down across the creek and up on this other hillside, and you could he, you could tell he was a little bit lost. He was looking for um, a spot to lay down, but a certain one spot. It was pretty wild that maybe he didn't. It was maybe he didn't use that spot for a year. Last year's rifle season, it wasn't a spot that he regularly lived in until the gun season. So was, that was my take on the situation because he would go he would go under this one hemlock, and you could see he would like step to the left and he'd look. He stepped to the right and look, and then he go down this way, then over that way, and then he made some weird moves, just looking for this one spot to lay down. It was a like a big oak tree, and on a he was laid on a on a just the low side of the oak tree. There's a flat spot, and there's a big blowdown. It was I remember taking a picture of his textbook, but it was pretty wild. I knew that deer was looking for a place to lay down, and I said he's here. And then when I bumped him, I was that oak tree, and there was some brush behind he. He knew if he was going to get bumped, he had a way out. And I had a flash of his horns right. when I bumped. No way I could get a shot. But, yeah, they they kind of, it's pretty wild following deer and, and, you know, watching what they do and learning a lot. But, yeah, if they're feeding or, or um, you know, like that deer did, he was actually kind of looking for that one spot to lay down, and he finally found it. Right. So I knew he was there, you know. But, yeah, they just going around and looking for a place to lay down. Nice. Um, so it, it, I always like to talk to you about late season because you're one of the few guys that I know who is not only good at hunt whenever hunt, when it gets late, but I almost feel like you like it, like <laughs> where a lot of people, you know, when it gets this late in the game, like they're usually just kind of folding it in going like, eh, I don't, I don't know. It's late season. The deer aren't moving anymore. You know, it, it does become more challenging. A lot of the, things you have in your favor during early bow season, whether it's, you know, early season bed to food pattern, you know, or just the fact that they're going to start moving more and more in daylight as it, you go from September through, you know, essentially, you know, end of November for the most part, you know, all those things and the opportunities for that mature buck to make a mistake, you kind of lose when you get to late season and he's the most educated he'll be the entire, for the entire season, essentially. So what is it about late season that, that you seem to like? Because that was the one thing whenever I first met you was just talking about, we talked a little bit about late season and it just seems like you not only have a knack for it, but that you also, you know, you, you actually like this part of the, that you actually like this part of the season. What is it that you like about it? I think a, a lot that I do like is the snow, mm. whether I'm gun or bow hunting. Cause 
that snow, if you let it lay for two days, three days, it's going to tell you a whole big story of what's going on in that area, especially if it's an area you're not familiar with. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, the rut is kind of sometimes to me difficult to hunt as far as patterning uh, matured like a certain deer because he could be anywhere with a doe. So it's kind of like uh, a different type of hunting to where, the, I mean, it's there's a little more luck involved i think yeah uh, if you got that hot dough then you're in the right seat um but late season i think you could uh kind of pattern them mm-hmm. um because they're not just willy-nilly running for does i mean some places where the dough population's up they could be doing that but you know they they're uh they went through you know, probably half of the winter, I would say, mm-hmm. or the times, and they need to conserve energy. And it's just food and bed. Those are your two main things. And it's usually um pretty easy story if you can find a, a buck, especially with the snow, mm-hmm. mature deer. You find his track, he's not far. So you just start, you know, reading your maps and right. seeing right. where the, maybe the thermal cover or whatever may be. And see where the neighbor's food might be or the public ground, what, what's there. But I feel like, and so before we got on the air, I was talking about the warm weather, I think, but um, mm-hmm. I'm actually wanting to get to a difference. And so, and hopefully you got cameras out maybe, and you know the area and, and you're just kind of seeing what the intel is, what deer are left and you can set up accordingly. But like the situation I've, finding myself in now for this late season is I'm not even sure where I'm going to hunt. Um, I'm going to get back down to Ohio, mm-hmm. um, but it's kind of a spot I, I kind of know. Uh, the mass is not good, but um, so I'm trying to get one more state in, but mm-hmm. a lot of states will end uh, December 31st. Yeah. So I'm looking into maybe a state that's open in January and, and I'm looking at me and I'm looking at maybe a place that has, I could possibly get snow to learn you can learn a lot with two, three inches of snow as opposed to going to a state that has no snow and you, you can't read unless you find some fresh rubs, which rarely you will, but I've seen them. Right. And um, it's just hard to say what's alive, what I expect, what's the hunt. There's like so much you don't know to where it'd be good if your late season spot, if there's no snow, you got tons of cameras or you got friends that live there or someone watching area to give you an idea what you're getting into but um Man. yeah i think snow is the biggest thing for me i can just drive those roads and do a big circle around a piece of public ground or, or just track deer and you can kind of like i said with your maps you could see where maybe the thermal cover or what some thick you know and you can just probe around and kind of expect them in their cover in their bedding area during the day and just learn where they go at night when they're out feeding and and uh so yeah, I think the snow is the biggest thing to help in in late season, and I I love hunting in the snow just like that track, and you learn so much. Yeah. So I think snow is the number one thing for me to have. Right, and that's interesting that you said. Yeah, I never thought of it this way, but you know, using late season to go hunt, you know, maybe an out of state hunt or something like that, where you want to learn a new area that maybe you haven't been to before, and and choosing that time of year specifically to go hunt it 
the first time maybe to get an idea, you know, or have snow and be able to get an idea of what deer are doing. I, I it made me think of like, I know you often like to go out to, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at times you'll, you'll try to get a late, uh, Iowa tag, if I'm not mistaken, as opposed to like a first archer season tag or whatever the case is. And it seems like yeah. that would be a pretty smart thing to do. If someone wants to go to Iowa, you could get, much more easily you can get that late season muzzleloader or late season bow tag for Iowa than you can, you know, for the first, for the first season for a good unit, you could probably draw that before you would draw your normal, you know, archery tag for the fall, go out there, use some snow, hunt a particular area that you want to learn and be able to hunt at the same time and use the snow to kind of track and figure out what deer are doing. And you'd be way ahead of the game when you went out for archery season, first archery season, you know, whenever you did happen to draw a tag because all the intel you got from the snow, essentially. So that's a really kind of smart approach for hunting out of state, I think. Yeah. And like I said, I, I was fortunate to draw some late season muzzleloader tags that I bow hunted with or muscle hunter, but, and it was just like, there was times that there was no snow. It was 40 degrees and yeah. no math. And it was, I don't even know where to start because I don't know what's alive. And yeah, it, I try to run cameras, but, the cold wet weather makes the deer feed more. They have to feed more often and you get a cold stretch. It's like, Oh man, your odds just skyrocket. If you get a cold stretch or a cold winter and you get snow and nobody's messing with them. It's like, this is what I need. This is, this is where I'm going to kill a deer because that's, I got them. I got an angle on them. I got the cold weather that's they're sapping their energy and they need to feed. The snow's covering a lot of food. It's like, here, here we go. But it's those years that like now I'm looking at, I looked at the weather a couple of different states here and it's, there's nothing good about it. And, and you're coming out of muzzleloader seasons and gun yeah. seasons to where they're cool. Like I was down, I went down to Ohio. I think I was down there last week for a day or two and it was just warm and yeah. there was no map. And a lot of times in places I hunt in Ohio don't get snow. And it was like the gun season was just out and they're, they're probably still shook up a little bit. So I'm like, you know what? I need to wait till January to get here to let these deer calm down. Yeah. And no one's messing with them because right now they're still like maybe all spread. I mean, getting the deer on the can. I still think they're all shook up from the gun hunters and they'll come back to their spots. And that's another thing is uh, the pressure is, is down then. And nobody that's because everybody has pretty much the same mentality to where, um, right. You know, it's, I'm not going out. It's cold, but then it's like, ah, oh, and them deer kind of let their guard, just their their guards down for a lot of reasons. I mean, they have to eat, you yeah. know, and, it, and it's cold, and they have to move, and it's just what they have to do to survive to make it through the year. And you can take advantage of that. Where other times of the year, a lot of nighttime feeding, if there's pressure, and there's an abundance of food and abundance of cover, where these things are getting slim to cut, you know, the food and and the, the warm weather's gone and their fat is gone. And it's like, Oh, I got to do something to make it through. So it'll take more chances and you can capitalize on those deer. So, but right. yeah, that's hopefully you can get, hopefully you still got cameras running. And, and that's one thing I tried doing this year is looking forward to the next season. So even though I killed my deer in Pennsylvania, um, I was, uh, just prior to that, I was already putting cameras out for late season. Cause I, I, I made a mistake that I would put cameras out during the rut or right before the rut looking for deer during the rut. And then here I know, for instance, like I said, where I was hunting in PA, I was hunting clear cuts close to the road and it was good rut hunting. And then when the orange army came in, it was like blows them out. And I'm like, Oh, so it's always trying to always look forward to it. And so they disappear the deer, but they are somewhere. And it's like, 
man, I need to be looking forward for rifle season or then muzzle yeah. it or something. I kind of been taking a step back and looking forward to my, you know, and then, yeah, you're always in the moment trying to find where the deer are at that moment or in the next week or so, yeah. you know, and then that's one thing I'm trying to do more of Clint is look forward to. So I've, I've dropped cameras in places for, even though I shot my deer, um, I got some friends are going to hunt late season. Greg might come up and yeah. I dropped cameras in areas that we knew held deer late season. So I said, I got, I got out and got cameras in those areas. So try to look forward to your next step, you know, cause it's the whole season, the whole deers, they're, they're all, their environment and their their lifestyle changes so quickly. I know there's places I see rubs along the road. For one instance, we were hunting a deer. He was rubbing a telephone pole. It was right <laughs> along the road. Hot, like he was crossing there in a rut. And then fast forward like a week, bear season and gun season. It's like it's cold. It's dead yeah. cold. Things going to change so fast out there. You got to keep up with it. Yeah. You have to really kind of keep almost like a step ahead, you know, in, in thinking about what you're going to need to do next. And that's one thing that I've definitely picked up from you specifically that I used. I think I was and again, this is, I picked up from you through Greg, really. It was one of those things where I was out scouting, uh, for a particular deer that I was chasing this fall. And I kind of had him I thought I had him figured out. I did. I was just, I happened to be like a week late and I ended up catching up with him and I missed him by a day, two different times. But mm-hmm. all that to basically say that as I was scouting for him, I was doing exactly what you were saying was I was actually paying attention to the food in these particular areas as I was walking through to understand where my red oaks were versus white oaks. That way I had a plan if I didn't kill him in regular archery season, if he made it, if he was still alive that I would have a plan based on where I knew what food was around, you know, for, for late season, you know, and, and little things like, you know, I was texting Greg at the time. He said, Hey, pick those red oaks up. He's like, Johnny said, uh, look and see if there's a hole in them. If there's a hole in them, there's bugs. They won't eat them. If there's no hole, they'll be good. And so I picked up the red oaks and I'm looking at them, you know, and they were good to go. So that's one of the spots that I have earmarked here for, for late season. Cause I know it's got a good, red oak, uh, you know, acorn cr- uh, crop that's, that's laying in there. That's going to be, it's going to be edible for him. It's going to be right outside roughly where I, where I know that he's bedding, but you know, you talked about camera placement, keeping those kind of ahead of the game because things are changing and stuff like that. Where for late season, are you hanging, hanging cameras? I think, you know, cause traditionally, you know, you know, when you're getting early season inventory, you know, I know I personally like to use scrapes kind of all year round or a licking branch all year round. And then if certainly during October, you know, I'm shifting them, you know, things that maybe I have in like a, you know, a blueberry patch or something like that. It's got a bunch of blueberries or whatever, you know, wild blueberries or raspberries or whatever mm-hmm. the case is or clear cut. It's like, I'm probably going to shift those then from those places to scrapes and stuff like that. But the scrapes are obviously are going to go cold at some part of the season as you get into late season. So where are you hanging cameras specifically for late season? That might be different than you would hang a camera during the other parts of the other parts of the season. I think maybe a trail or an area that a deer are going to travel to with their food source. I've seen deer. So it's like sometimes in Ohio, I hunt public ground and people feed them on private ground. You're allowed to feed mm-hmm. on private. So a lot of these deer will be maybe up in the forest bed and it's like a, uh, it's like a point A to point B deal. It might right. be a half mile, it be three quarters of a mile. Um, and that's all it is, is where they decide to lay uh, for the day. Um, point a to point b the food at night so get us it might even might be near a road maybe you think i'm crossing a road i drop a couple mm-hmm. cameras just to know what's feeding 
say you do know someone's um, baiting deer or whatever, mm-hmm. maybe a trail, maybe it's just to get an inventory on the animal. Um, or a big thing is, is is where they would be bedding, but you don't really want to drop your cameras there. So you want to be able to access your cameras. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I always like to have a camera where um my stand might be one or two cameras, but not it's not always the case if you're in a new area that you don't know where you, exactly that place is going to be. So um, usually maybe a trail, like a transition from food to bed, right. that you can catch and get some intel. Um, or if you can get into the feeding area, um, where maybe it is a ridge of oaks, maybe you, maybe they're feeding at night or maybe you can somehow. So going back to the other day when I was in Ohio, the leaves were about eight inches thick up on this ridge and I had cameras on the ridge and it was like dead calm. Clint, I think I let every deer in the county know it It was, (laughs) so it's like the, you know, the leaves were so fluffy and crunchy and it was like, and I, I couldn't even, actually, that's kind of why I didn't even really hunt, because I got up on this ridge thinking they were going to bed in these valleys and that, and I can get up on this ridge and take inventory of maybe what's on the ridge, crossing the ridge, and, but it was so loud and crunchy. I'm like, I can't even set up on a deer, because then that time of year, so it's like we're in between, like, to me, we're still in the, this time of year, like early, mid-December, the deer are not quite into the heavy feeding, especially since your gun season ended right. in most of the places. They're still maybe kind of, the weather's still kind of warm. And, and that's why I left and I said, I'm going to come back in January because I got to get set up with only uh, within a hundred yards of these deer. Cause I feel like they're not going to move till dark. Right. I was trying to get Intel on this Ridge and, and I, I got a little Intel. There wasn't much there, right. but um, <laughs> I couldn't even set up. It was like every, so I, I kind of left. I said, you know what? Late season, I got to come back. And maybe when it's wet, maybe you can access, um, maybe the ridge you're feeding on is, is acorns. Maybe you can get in there on a wet day mm-hmm. um, and access it. Or you just, um, yeah, or if you got a camera, maybe hunt that ridge. Um, check your camera and hunt it. Um, you see if the deer feeds, if there's fresh shit. Right. But the, yeah, definitely food. And it, it, like I said, if you if you know of a bedding area, hunt it and grab your camera or just hopefully you can access your your uh, your cameras to, to to see what's there, right? You know. Now, do you so. do you find uh, you know because it sounds a little bit like you know that bed playing that bed food and a lot of folks will do that of course during the during the early part of the year too. But so I'm curious, do you find that a lot of I won't say a lot. I don't want to put words in your mouth. So I'll just ask the question. <laughs> do you find that Places that you're finding deer in late season are very similar to and maybe even be the same spots where you're locating them in the earlier parts of the year when they are more predictable and they are dependent more on on more food. So do they do you find sometimes that they come home and how often do you see that if you do see it? Um, it's hard to say, Clint. Um I know there's a lot of variables because the food that time of year is different. So of course they might be bedded somewhere, you know, in August and September and maybe even early October, October, because mm-hmm. there might be a, you know, fresh white oak drop somewhere, you know, late mid September into early October, or there could be, you know, an ag field that's not too far away that maybe is a green food source or whatever, you know, so that, like certainly could, you know, could change based on that. But I'm just curious because that's one thing I've always kind of thought of. It's like, well, if they if they're comfy here in the summer and, you know, and the cover is yep. good, you know, and they've got good cover, 
you know, that, that would be another qualifier that the cover's good. And there's, you know, and the food source is maybe different, but there's still food there. So for example, maybe they were bedded near a clear cut and there was an ag, you know, ag field that wasn't far away, but now the ag field isn't any good, but it's still got all the cover from the clear cut and all the browse from the clear cut. I'm just curious if those deer would come back home because yeah. they've got the security. Yeah. So for instance, one place that marries in rifle season, uh, that I pulled my cameras, um, cause they died off in another area. I, uh, it was some thermals, thermal cover down in this Creek bottom. And, and that's an area that I hunt for mature deer. And then, you know, you get into the deer gun season. And I, I remember, I think last year I said, you know what, it's pretty thick down there. I think, I bet you a good buck just sticks that sticks to that Creek bottom and just kind of hides from them, those hunters. So I actually, went down there during gun season with my bow and I had four cameras and I was going to bow hunt. It's kind of thick anyway. So I grabbed them cameras, Clint. I did like a, there was nothing worth shooting, maybe a two-year-old mm-hmm. and a year, you know, bucks, that was it one or two. And, um, did a big oval trying to look for tracks and you know what, they were legit gone, <laughs> but come late season, they'll, they'll move back in. I don't know where they go. Cause it's accessible, not crazy accessible, but it's accessible enough that guys are going to drive it out in that. So you, I, I kind of think these deer do move out up to maybe a mile. Mm-hmm. They know that and I think it's all relative to them. So if they're in an area that has kind of roads, clear cuts, nice, maybe for breeding does, everything they kind of want. Um, they're not, to me, it, like so when I shot my deer, I went to a place, I just looked at my Spartan Forge maps and seen a place that was kind of vast, so um, hard to access. So he's going to relate to all roads winding through clear cuts and that to like danger. I'm not saying a buck won't hang tight if it's super thick, but for the majority of the deer, to get your odds in your favor, they move out. So right. yeah, I actually, uh, in that creek bottom, I was up after I shot my deer, I actually went down there and put cameras to hopes you know, we're going to come back. And then if I got some buddies to hunt, so yeah. And then even on some of the hard, uh, the ridges with the oaks, I, if there's mass there, um, the deer just kind of stay, you know, they may chase does to the next ridge and that, but it seems like they'll, they'll come back. It's just kind of the same, mm-hmm. same population, just, just what's left. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a different, it's a different time. I mean, they're definitely, come back into them areas and yeah, it sounds like it's situational where it's like, if those areas have what they need for late season, then they certainly it's plausible or possible that they could come back to that area, Mm -hmm. but it's going to give them cover and food, but they're not, they're not going to come back to an area just because that's where they, where they summered or they spent part of their early fall. If there's not the things that they need, you know, close Mm -hmm. by, you know, that I think that that's the, the, the net net, right. It's, if you have the, yeah. if you have what they need and they have it and they can live in a particular area, you know, consistently with all that they need for those particular times of the year to fulfill their biological needs, then, then certainly they'll stay put because it's, it's safe. If it doesn't have the right cover or the right food or the right, whatever chances are, they're going to, they're going to go find it somewhere else essentially. Yeah. And hopefully you got like the biggest thing is trying to have cameras look for like then end of November, get your cameras out to scout whether it be basically for next year or late season yeah. um to get you some intel to see if you're there because i'm finding myself in a situation with i'm thinking about going to a state for five days and it's like it's like man it's just 
and I'm that's what I'm hoping that maybe somewhere got some snow and I can drive the roads and watch the fields or hike through the forest and see what's as basically that's to me having cameras out I could I'm pretty good at judging tracks and the age of deer so I guess like okay this is and see where he's you know and just use them maps like on that Spartan Ford just really clear you could see if there's some thick shit or right or some over and you can kind of know where but then again I've seen deer like talking about Iowa in different states where there's a the deer will bet don't have to they get they're they're tough you know um but I've seen deer just like strength in numbers like a herd type situation like right. the elk or something where there's so many deer that they would just literally hillsides the open hillsides and you can't even get into them right well that was um, the, that was the one of the, the next thing i was going to ask as we're sitting here talking about this was i was just curious you know how often you're seeing you know mature bucks in the late season because we know you know they'll bachelor group up in the summer they're all hanging out their buddies you know chilling out together yeah. rolling around going to the parties together and stuff like that and then we know you know you hit that certain time of year where they peel their velvet and testosterone starts spiking and then they all split up and kind of want to go their separate ways, especially those older, more mature bucks. They want nothing to do with anybody. They kind of want to be loners and off on their own. And I'm just curious how often you see mature bucks in the late season that, that either want to run solo, or do you see them now starting to kind of rejoin the the crowd again and kind of have that strength in numbers? What do you see most consistently? Usually they hang out with the least, like a mature buck might either be alone or he likes to grab another buck or I've seen them even with, you know six points or, mm-hmm. or just whoever they get together with and he'll utilize them younger deer to maybe let them go out ahead of her if they're still that's all the biggest thing everything is pressure related if the people are still hunting in january and that he might be still be nocturnal mm-hmm. um but hopefully the weather's been cold and he'll have to move during the day and then when you're you know doing your scouting you could see um if any other humans are out there and or if you got your cameras, see what the pressure's still like. Because that'll, I've I've hunted times where it was it was that cold winter and the snow on the ground, but they were hunted hard through gun season and maybe after gun season to where the doe were skittish. They wouldn't come, you know, they wouldn't go to there's a food source of ag field. I tried setting up close to that, and they were just just so gun you know, shy. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And and I said, you know what? These does are this bad. This mature deer isn't isn't going to come come to this. You know, he's going to wait till I, no matter what. So pressure is always a big to me is the main factor. If you didn't have any hunting pressure, then killing a deer would be pretty easy. You just read sign and set up, and they would be right. You, but that's what causes them to survive and be um, tough and and you know, the challenge that we like about them is them getting by, getting over on us or coyotes or whatever they're the predators, you know, they, they, they know how to survive and that's number, they don't take chances. So that's first and foremost, if he thinks somebody's going to be sitting along the edge of that ag field, he's not going to go. Right. So plain and simple. So yeah. And then it, whether your camera tells you or, or you're out hiking, you can kind of judge tracks of the age of them. You know, maybe the snow melts during the day and you can say, okay, and then it freezes at night or if it's, if it is frozen at night and there's just like, uh, his tracks barely breaking the ground. Okay. Well, this deer came through it from, you know, 10 o'clock at night till 
six in the morning. You know, you can kind of judge time frame too with the snow. I've done that a lot to see. You know, there's times I I've got a buck on camera that um, good deer in a piece of public ground, and I just didn't know if he was a resident or if it was just a random time coming through. So I uh, I used the age of the snow. It was melting during the day and freezing hard at night. You know, and it was like actually an ice and so I can, I, what I did was, uh, I did a big circle the days it was melted, you know, and then it got so cold that it didn't even, um, melt during the day. I said, well, <laughs> this bucks in here and I know the snow's melting during the day. So I was doing, you know, and I, I could kind of, to me, guess that. Private eye shit to kind of but i did a big circle around the public ground and i didn't see his tracks it was just a random so i didn't hunt that area i just felt like maybe someone bumped him um and he come running through mm-hmm. so it wasn't like a recurrence but i kind of used the snow to my advantage if you think it's melting and you know just kind of do some and then like step put look at your your track in the ground you know maybe you're going to go hike a spot and walk in looks, and then see what go, it looks like yeah See how it decayed to, you know, sometimes it happens fast because the weather's warm and it swells up. It's like, man, that deer, and you can kind of learn after so long, you know, you're getting a 45 degree. And so you'll, you'll kind of know in the future just from tracking so much and learning about, the, you know, how the snow melts and what type of snow it is. And there's all different types of snow for tracking, but you could kind of say, oh, this This between this time and that time, you could help decide where that that deer's could be and where he went to. But like I said, I've seen deer even go up to a mile to yeah. feed, you know, meet and in return. Yeah, that's but, one um, thing. That's one thing Hal Blood talked about whenever I talked to him was that you know they they'll go out up there. I mean, obviously in Maine they they get a lot of snow and they get it earlier, much earlier than we do most of the times. And they'll go out whenever they know it's going to start snowing at 2 a.m. They'll let a little snow fall and know what time it is. And they'll go out and stick their foot in it, you know, or put a boot on and make a track in it. And that way they can get up whenever they finally get up to go hunt, they go out and they look at that track and see how much snow is falling in that track. That way they kind of know how to age tracks whenever they cut a, cut a, cut a deer track, be able to tell whether it's an hour old, two hours old, three hours old, whatever the case is. You know, I know we talked a little bit about food and, you know, people always kind of, Obviously, late season is a, you know, as you've as you've said a couple of times, it's you know where they where they bedding and finding cover and getting away from the pressure and 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 being safe and maybe staying warm and thermal cover if it's if it's getting really cold, and then where's the food at? So for this purpose, it's you know if you if someone doesn't have an ag field, which a lot of people you know like yourself who are hunting public ground most of the time, you know don't have ag fields that they can kind of sit over a bean field or whatever, and it, you know we've talked a little bit about you know you know, uh, red oak acorns and stuff like that, which I think, you know, people kind of, kind of start to key into, but what are some of the unconventional food sources that you'll kind of target that maybe isn't an ag field and maybe isn't, isn't acorns that are left over? Are there, what are other things you kind of looking for that could be food sources that are kind of in the cover in the timber? So like in, in Pennsylvania, a lot of these areas, these deer are eating ferns. And I've even seen them eat the green moss off the bottom of trees at, at, in certain areas. But it's the certain. It's not like the. I think I call them the Christmas ferns. They're like the mm-hmm. darker green, and they're like more like a to me like a plastic type deal. But it's the, the ones that are kind of like taller and kind of like softer that they they eat those and, and also browse any type of browse, um, whether it be 
saplings or or um, briars, anything that they can reach within. And some, a lot of times it's not even nutritional, but that's uh-huh. they have to eat to keep eating. So just watch where they're nipping when they're walking. You know, if they've got some snow, you can see, especially if the snow's covering up some of the food, but um, you can see how they're nipping and fresh cut off. Um, like in Ohio, a lot of green briar I've seen meat. And, uh-huh. um, but yeah, just anything edible with the softer the ends of it you know not the you know the newer growth of the year is pretty much what they're gonna to feed on right um, and if they get real dire they'll even start to peel some bark won't they off of certain species of trees and stuff if i'm not yeah, mistaken not, yep yep i've seen that yeah. rabbits and people eat the bark off of some of them trees and uh but a, a lot of times it, it's there within seems like when i'm on a public ground if it ain't like a vast forest type scenario, if it's like more of the Midwest than that, a lot of times they're going to travel to some private ground to get their food. And a right. lot of them areas don't have much. It's a bad mast year. I've seen them eat cedars too, nip on cedars when the ground was frozen. Hmm. And just during the day, they'll, they'll browse. Um, I think, well, yeah, last year was heavy ice there in Iowa when I was hunting there. And, you know, they were using it for thermal cover. And because a lot of that, timber doesn't have much of browse right um so it seems like they would in my opinion they would travel at night to a lot of private ground you know people feed deer all over um even if like residential areas and like i said a deer will go i i mean they'll go a mile at night to get a food source and to get back to where they're they're safe so think about that right like i said um, even if you have to drive, you know, like a one mile radius where you think the deer laying and see what kind of, if there's some standing ag or something where you think, you see a bird feeder, I, I, you know, yeah. Yeah. people got birds, you see how the deer eat them and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, maybe you put that in the back of your head. Okay. He's going to maybe hit that up tonight. Yeah. That's, um, that's so, a, that's a good approach for, for me, for where I live out and, you know, you know, some of the areas that I'll hunt. That, that are close to my house, I mean, you know, it's more suburban than, you know, some of the other places I get out to a little further away or, you know, more big woods, but the suburban areas, it's for sure. You know, does, uh, does Tom and, and Mary have a bird feeder in the backyard? That's for sure. Like, <laughs> you know, that's definitely, yeah. uh, definitely a hot commodity in the, in the old suburban, uh, late season deer hunting mm-hmm. plan for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, That's what I like about it. It's all like a. It's all just a big. Uh, it's all just a big puzzle piece. Yeah, where are they? Um, and take the time to scout. That you know, if you get the snow, take take a whole day and scout and check whether you put eight. Like I, if I like, I'll do ten miles. I'll hike mm-hmm. ten miles in a day if I have to. If I feel like I take one day and hike ten miles and find three spots where good bucks are bedding and feeding. I don't care. And then you got the rest of your time to hunt that animal. And, you know, you might need them three spots, maybe based on wind or, or what other. Right. So, um, yeah, that's why the biggest thing is try to get some snow. And, and, um, the good thing was bow hunting. At least you, um, the snow helps you learn, but then you can like, to me, I would get up in a tree and hunt where we're tracking is a little different when, you know, you usually want a fresh snow, and usually if you get that melt and then a mm-hmm. freeze and you don't get no snow, that's hard to track in. So, right. um, at least with bow hunting, you can just 
use it to your advantage to learn, you know, kind of probe, uh, not, you know, get into their food source or maybe where they're bedding during the day and then boom, set up accordingly, yeah. you know? Nice, man. Well, we've been rolling on here about an hour, buddy. I want to be sensitive to your time and not keep you here uh, too long, but I have one last question for you. If you're, if you're game for it, then we'll get you out of here. Sound good. Yeah. All right. So this was a tough one, man. You have to build a team uh, for a three on three tournament, kind of like a three on three basketball tournament. And the goal of these three of these three people is to fill land or fill buck tags on public land and you can only pick three hunters they can be dead they can be alive they can be people you know people you don't know it doesn't matter if you had to pick three people to fill buck tags on public land anywhere in the country and your life depended on it what three people are you picking okay let me think uh yeah three guys besides me three yeah besides yeah you're the coach you're the coach i'm the coach okay um in the country too. Yep. Man, I probably have to go with my man Jake Bush mm-hmm. since he's been some good bucks, and he's he's from New York, Northeast. He knows some big woods. Mm-hmm. He's hunting in the Midwest. Um, I'd probably go with Bo because mm-hmm. Bo's getting a lot of deer. He's good at the east side. I probably have to go with Greg too, Litzinger. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is, uh, he he knows how to kill them bucks. Yeah, he's getting around. He's got some Midwest. He's got some East. You know, so um, I bet them three guys, they're, right. they're killers. Yeah, you know, I feel like uh, you know, Bo and, and uh, Jake are young, but they got a lot. You know, that they've learned a lot through the years from podcasts and reading and this and that, and they got some kills to where it's like they're uh, kind of look at them as how I was at their age. Right. You know, they're, they're killers. They got enough under a belt. And like I said, I'm not, it's nice to see. I don't think I'm as driven. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, I, I'm a, I did a lot of that and, and I'm, it's great to see people, these young guys doing it and killing them and that, you know, but you're going to reach a point in your life where you are going to take a seat back and just like enjoy it and watch other, you know, and yeah. I mean, not saying you won't get back into it yourself and, like if I find a big deer, I get laser focused. Like, but, um, but it's nice but to yeah. watch some, it's, it's nice to, you know, be able to kind of just enjoy the, uh, enjoy the uh, atmosphere. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? For sure. And, and like, I can relate to how I, how driven them guys are, the younger guys. And, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, I could tell, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, they're in, they're in their prime, you know? Yeah. yeah. Nice sure. to relate to them. And, um, and another thing, I know you talked to Bill from Spartan yeah. Forge. Yep. Um, I think late season's a big. Uh, the, the the predictions are are coming true a lot. He's getting yeah. a lot of people back from that, and and yep. especially late season, I think that's. I want to use them predictions a lot more to plan. Yeah, plan I, was, when I was actually just. I was actually just texting with Bill Bill today, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and I. Uh, my last kind of not my last hurrah for the season, but the last that I kind of use like for predicting, I guess, consistent movement or movement to capitalize on is always that second peak rut date that I use. Um, you know, it was just for my area, it was just the other day. And so I was able to get out. Now the weather was terrible, so that that, that didn't help at all. But I've watched, you know, the past couple of years on trail cameras and then paying attention to you know, build the Spartan Forge kind of predicting of the those peak rut dates, especially that second peak 
uh, rut date or peak breeding date that falls, you know, in, in December, I've watched that come true for multiple years now, you know? And so that's one of the last things right before late season that I'll try to capitalize on. So I do the same thing, man. It's like, I kind of pay attention to that app, the predictions that it's making and, and kind of use that as my guide as for whenever I'm going to, you know, cause there's a big woods piece up and kind of exploring. I'm going to spend some time there. I have a week off between Christmas and new Year's, So I'm going to be there for a couple of days and try to see if I can't try to see if I can't get into some trouble and it should be a little bit of snow in that, in that particular area. So I'm going to try my hand at doing some, some tracking as well. So, well, cool brother. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. Where can people follow along with Johnny Stewart and make sure they don't miss out on whatever you got going on in the whitetail woods. Well, I'm just on Instagram, the Johnny Stewart. If you want to, usually I try to post my stories when I'm out actually actively hunting, uh, try to get some, uh, some posts up and in general. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's about it. And, and like I said, uh, get out there, be optimistic, but be realistic and do a lot of scouting late season. Um, hopefully you got some snow where you're going or some cameras to get Intel and go from there. That's right, man. Well, Hey buddy, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, as a side note, man, I appreciate all the information that you've given me over the years, you know, whether it's on this podcast or just text messages and stuff like that. Um, you know, you're one of those guys that I, you know, turn to whenever I'm looking for good info or I'm struggling with something, you know, between you and Greg, um, definitely two of the guys that I kind of turn to, to get my, to, to get my information and get steered in the right, in the right direction. So I just, I, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, you're welcome. And I, I just like helping people out. Like I said, from what I've learned over the years and I don't know everything. It's just, maybe you could take a tidbit from, you know, another, um, you know, tool in your toolbox, you could learn something here or there from someone or, or, you know, I, I like to talk to different hunters and people message me and don't be afraid to message me. You got a question about the place you're at. Usually guys will, Hey, pick a spot on this map. And sometimes it's not that easy. You know, it's like, yeah. they'll ask me a question. I got 20 back at them, but, but even just talking to other hunters, I learned so that when I talk to other guys through Instagram or text or whatever, I'm learning from those guys. To me, it's like they're out there um, in a different, and, and I'm always learning whether it's me being out in the force or like when we had the veterans hunt up there, we had 10, 12 guys. And, you know, I was almost like a guide. I put the guys out and this, and what'd you see? You know, and it's right. like, okay. And I'm, I'm always learning, or if you go somewhere and you're like, okay, Clint's seen this or, or, or Greg saw this, what's going on in your area? And what have you seen? Does that happen there? Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something I could put in my toolbox, what you've learned, what you've uh, yeah. seen throughout the years. You yeah, know? exactly, man. Well, that's why I always kind of appreciate your approach, man, because you're always an open book and willing to share. And then, and you're just, you're, you're, you're a hunter, man. Like you don't think you have all the answers. And that's the thing that I found that's key to all the guys that I know that are good at it. They don't, they, they, they don't claim to have all the answers. So I appreciate you, man. You have yourself a good night and uh Merry Christmas, buddy. You have a good holiday. All right. Good luck out there in the late season. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there too. I'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do those two things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skullbrew Coffee Company, and Maven Optics. And until next time, we'll see y'all.
All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.